The Rich and Mike Show, Flagler County's hometown sports show. Here are your hosts, Rich Carroll and Mike Licio. Yes, it's another episode of the Rich and Mike Sports Show. Good Saturday morning, Flagler County. And a good Saturday morning to you, Mike Licio. Hello, Flagler County. Rich, as it was once said, I believe it's by Johnny Cash. I could be wrong on this. I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> was that Johnny Cash? All right, all right, all right. I think so. Uh, how about somebody check on that? Uh, or, or maybe uh, on the road again, right? No, that yeah, that one applies too. Because <laughs> I can tell you that in the last eight days, I have set foot on the ground and stopped and physically been in Tallahassee, Live Oak, McClenny, Jacksonville, of course, St. Augustine and Palm Coast, Deltona, New, uh, um, New Smyrna Beach, Lake Mary. Stanford and Orlando. Wow. So I have been getting around. I've been at uh, uh, Palm Coast Parkway, Beltaire, Pine Lakes Parkway. Oh, sorry. Wait, that, that's not as impressive. Never mind. <laughs> you need to get out. I think that says one of two things, and probably both <laughs> that you need to get out more and I oh, need to get out less. That's right. That's, there's got to be balance, Mike. There's got to be balance. But uh, no, it's been, uh, you've been all over the place and it's been pretty productive. You've seen some cool things as far as local sports are concerned uh, in the area well i hit the ground running monday morning and went down to orlando to addition financial arena where U- ucf basketball plays i hadn't been there since they redid the arena actually it's a new arena it's not even a redid arena they it's a new arena but I, this is the first time i've been there and it's been there a few years but university of new orleans guard and former fpc star brianna ellis was there with her New Orleans privateers taking on UCF Monday morning. So I made the trip down for those of you who don't know, I was the voice of FPC girls basketball for three seasons under coaches, Javier Bavacqua, by the way, one of my favorite names to announce ever was coach Bavacqua. Cause you get to the end of the introduction and you're like the head coach of the Bulldogs is Javier Bavacqua. Oh, that's pretty good. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> and that was those were fun times. You know, I, I, I do miss doing those FPC girls games. We had a lot of talented girls on that team. Ryan Montgomery, who also played track at FP, ran track at FPC, um, and just graduated from Florida International with her nursing degree. Congratulations, Ryan. She was on that team. Um, Emma, Emma Parrish and Shiley LeBlanc were on that team. They're both at Trinity Baptist College. In Jacksonville, Lily Dunaway was the point guard. She was at Daytona State. And Lauren Stewart, who was uh, the center on that team, she's now at FIU. So there's a lot of talented people on that team. And no more talented than Brianna Ellis, who was an all-area player. She had some outstanding games at FPC. She had some great games. She had an injury last year, but she had some great games before that too. She had, you know, a couple of 17, 18 point efforts against Baylor and Texas top ranked programs, you know, and she has just persevered through it all. She's had some, you know, some tough circumstances that she's overcome in her college experience. And, you know, I've been able to keep up with her through the years and there are very few people in the 15 years that I've been covering high school sports that I think higher of higher of than Brianna Ellis, you know, she is the complete package, you know, great athlete, great student, great person. And 
it was special for me to go and visit with her on Monday morning and catch up with her for just a few minutes and have a little conversation. It's Brianna, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you. Let's start with the college experience. You're a senior now. And what has the experience been like at New Orleans as far as on the court, being in that program? What has that program meant to you? Um, it meant a lot to me, honestly. Um, having Coach Davenport for three years, um, she taught me a lot as a point guard, how to be a great teammate, um, just how to be successful on the court. And um, even with Coach Powell, you know, just beginning this non-conference schedule, it's been really good, and I've learned a lot from her. So, What has the transition to the new coach been like? Um, I'm not going to lie, it's been hard. Um, change is very difficult, I think, for everybody, and, um, you know, it's been a little bit rocky, but I've adapted a little bit, and I've just accepted that, you know, with change comes, like, trust, and I've trusted Coach P that, you know, she has a great group of talented young ladies that we can get the job done on the court. What's it like being at, not only in, at the school in New Orleans, but being in the city of New Orleans, being able to experience that, what's that experience been like? It's been beautiful. I love the culture, um, the music. You can just, we're 15 minutes away from downtown, so it's been really nice. Just if we wanted to have a day off, you know, go down to the French Quarter, eat some beignets. I personally like coffee, so I've gotten like a little bit of a coffee habit now that I've been here in New Orleans, but it's been really fun. I know music is something that's very important to you. Kind of expand on that. There's, there is a big music scene in New Orleans. Have you gotten to experience any of that? Yeah, so I've been to some concerts um, in New Orleans. I've seen Jasmine Sullivan, Beyonce. Um, there's like some record stores and just downtown, like being on like Bourbon Street, there's a lot of brass bands that play. And so um, it's really cool to experience that. Have you met Juvenile? I have not, but I have I have seen him perform, so it has been cool, yeah. You know, you've been involved in activities on campus and campus activism. How important is it for you to give back and to try and help lift people up in the community? It's been really important to me. I think that if you want to be successful anywhere in life, you have to first give back, and then the rest will come in return. Um, just doing like outreach programs and just helping out like the university. Um, it's been really special, especially with like voter registrations and stuff. Like that stuff is really important, especially you know within our community and within the state of Louisiana and just all around the country. So, yeah. You got to play under Coach Pavacqua. What did Coach Pavacqua mean to you and FPC in your experience? Uh, he meant a lot to me. Um, he definitely was there for me through you know, on the court and off the court. And I truly appreciate him for the four years that I was at FPC. So he was a really important factor, and I do miss him. What do you hope to do once you finish your college career, once you've gotten your diploma? What, what's next for Brianna? Um, I hope to be a sports psychologist one day, um, helping out other athletes that have played college athletics and been in my shoes, um, just helping them elevate their games to the next level, whatever sport that may be. And then, you know, in my downtime, I like to own, like, my own little record store or something. That'd be really cool. All right. Congratulations, Brianna Ellis. Wow, what an exciting story. You go from playing high school basketball at FPC to college basketball in New Orleans and, and all the cool things that she was talking about. Bourbon Street, the music scene, uh, wants to be a sports psychologist, maybe open a record shop, music enthusiast. She sounds like an amazing person. And Mike, sports psychologist, maybe she can help you with your golf swing. Oh, uh, there's no help for that. You know, I... <laughs> If anybody could, it would be Brianna because there is nothing that she has set her mind to that she has not accomplished, uh, you know, but I don't think there's any hope for that. I will tell you, I made a reference to Juvenile, who is from 
the Magnolia in New Orleans and one of my favorite artists. And the reason I brought up Juvenile, not just because he's from New Orleans and I'm a big fan, but because, you know, Brie, like I said, music is important to her and she makes a lot of posts in her social media about different music things. And she posted on Instagram about the Juvenile Tiny Desk concert. And I think I've watched it about 50 or 60 times, no exaggeration since. But it was oh, it, you, this is the best part of this job, Rich. We get to meet a lot of great people, and you get to see them move on and grow and do things beyond the classroom, beyond the field, and go out into the real world and just make something of themselves. You know, we've talked to Mackenzie Wagner earlier in the year, who's you know pursuing you know his medical career. I just one of my Flagler College softball players just got her doctorate from the University of Florida, which is unfortunate that she had to go there, but, you know, still a pretty awesome thing to happen. So you get to see these kids, you know, I think of a guy like um, Ryan Dean from FPC, um, who's now, you know, serving in the military and he's done some, he's gotten to go and see the world. And it's just cool. Not only to talk about the stories that we see on a week to week basis on the sports and in our broadcast, but to watch these kids grow up and become great members of society and to think that you knew them when and you saw the potential in them when they were young. And, you know, there's no shortage of that in Flagler County. And it's just really an honor to be part of that. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. And uh, how about the game, Mike? How was the game while you were out there? Well, it was 34-31 in the third quarter. Um, UCF was um, up by three. And then they went on a 24-2 run. You know, New Orleans, as you heard Brianna Ellis talk about, they are in transition. They just made a coaching change last year. So this is the first year under their new coach who is a very accomplished division two coach. And I'm, I'm expecting that she's going to rebuild that program, but they also ran into a UCF team that not only is a, a major conference in the big 12 compared to new Orleans and the Southland, but also off to their best start in school history. They were, as of Monday, they were eight and zero the first time they'd ever been eight. and zero. So it was a combination of a team in transition against a team that's really found themselves and in a, and UCF in a program that's really looking to take that next step in the national prominence. So it was a tough second half, but they really hung around for about a half or so. And then, you know, UCF, um, you know, they're, they, they have some talented players and they were just too much for them in the end. But it was a fun day down in UC, down at UCF. I went and visited a friend of mine who um, his wife teaches at Seminole High School. And I know how much Seminole. You think um, Mainland High School Twitter doesn't like me right now? You should hear what Seminole <laughs> High School Twitter has to say about me. So, um, but it was a great day, and it started off a great week. Where got to go out and about. You know, there's a lot going on in the county. We we'll talk about a lot about basketball, but FPC soccer has won seven of eight. Matanzas boys soccer is off to a great start. The FPC girls and Matanzas girls are rolling, so we've got a lot of soccer going on right now. Um, Thursday night, I got to go to one of my favorite places. I got to go to the Hive at the alma mater, the gym that did not have air conditioning in it until after I graduated, so <laughs> still a little resentful that they waited to do that. But got to see a hotly contested Matanzas team that was coming off of six straight losses against St. Augustine, who for the first time this year – had their full complement of players, you know, five of their 12 players that dress on Thursday night were playing football up until last week. So this is really the first game they were all together. And 
Matanzas hit the ground running. They got off to an 11-0 run, 11 straight points, all by Junior Robinson. Henry Robinson Jr. was just going off. And then once St. Augustine found a way to solve Junior, he had 26 in the first half. He had four in the third quarter, did not score in the fourth as they really concentrated on them. On him, it was time for Rock Jefferson and Tariq Shakir to step up, and they did. And Tariq hit two clutch free throws at the end of the game to make it 64-60 with about 15 seconds left and end the game, end the losing streak. And I got to talk to the senior guard, Tariq Shakir, after the game about a very big win for the Pirates. Tariq, it feels like you saved your best for the last in the second half of games these last couple of games. What happens in halftime? It seems like when the team really needs you to step up, you do. What, how do you do that? Um, I don't know. It's just the team needs me, and I know they need me, so I come through for my team. I do anything. Going to the line for those free throws at the end, what's going through your mind? Uh, we played summer league or summer league versus St. Augustine, and I missed the game-winning free throws. So this time it was just winning the game for my team. So you've been thinking about that probably all all fall, huh? Yeah, I've been thinking about that since since it happened, and I just always wanted to make the free throws, and now I got a chance to do it, and I did it. You knew it was going to be a tough game. You knew they were going to be clawed. You guys got a big lead. You knew they were going to claw back. How do you keep your composure in that situation and just keep playing? Uh, we know we are a great team. We know that we have the talent to keep the lead, so we just got to keep our heads. And when we keep our heads, we keep the game. Junior got off to a quick start tonight. You know, talk about how much he's meant to this team this year. He means a lot. He means a whole lot because when we have him, he gets the ball, he gets started, teams force, double team him, and it opens up for everybody else. And as far as you, you seem like you've emerged as a leader of the team. You know, was that one of your goals this year? Uh, yeah, Coach Hendel told me it's my senior year. You know, i got to be a leader. And I've been leading this team since my sophomore year. So it's just what I've been doing. Uh, you gotta, you got to love the confidence there from Tariq Shakir. And uh, we actually covered our first Matanzas game on the WNZF Sports Network. That was against Father Lopez last Thursday. And, uh, yeah, that was um, – Actually, what what day was that, Mike? That was the eleventh. Um, when did we cover that? That was that was this week, wasn't it? This past week, it all gets uh, it all gets jumbled up in the in my mind. We do so many games, we cover so many sports here in Flagler County. But that was our first game covering Matanzas against Father Lopez, and you saw a similar uh, outcome there, where Shakir went nuts in the second half, first half, first quarter. Henry Robinson Jr. kind of keeping them in it as best he can, scoring points and. And then all of a sudden in the third quarter, Shakir goes off. And by the way, in that Father Lopez game, that's after the Green Wave took a 28-point lead and Shakir led them back to get – I think it got as close as six. And uh, then Father Lopez hit a bunch of threes and, and they end up winning that game 78-68 for, uh, to hand Matanzas their sixth straight loss. But you see the potential with that team, with the guy like Henry Robinson Jr., and Shakir being able to lead in the second half when things do open up because of the early success that uh, Henry Robinson Jr. has. Um, and to hear in your interview the confidence that he has as a leader, and that's important from your seniors on these teams, especially when you're going through a losing streak like this. We'll see if that can turn around the season and get Matanzas headed in the right direction. Two and seven now, just snapped a losing streak. They got the Atlantic Sharks coming up on the 22nd, and I believe that's our next game. So, yes, we will be at that game. Um, Tariq Shakir really started to find himself in the second half of last year, I felt. You know, I think early on last year, Carl Knighton transferring over, 
You know, he was averaging 25 points a game. And Tariq really had to kind of find his way. And I felt like in the second half, he really came into his own and started to understand how he could affect the game with and without the ball. And I think that's made this transition with Henry Robinson Jr. coming in. Jr. demands the ball a lot. Not demands it like, hey, give me the ball. But his talent, the ball ends up in his hands a lot. And Shakir has found a way to make sure he's getting the, him the ball, to make sure he's controlling the game. And, you know, um, Ryerson Jefferson is, you know, playing better this year than he did last year. You see him growing from last year as well. And I think once they get Alex Davis back after the winter break, I think you'll see a much different Matanzas team. I like the direction they're headed in. I like the direction FPC's heading in too. They picked up a big win against Crescent City. And that's actually we'll be at that Atlantic game Wednesday. We'll have FPC Atlantic. That's the one we're at. Right, right, right. Um, I knew so it was many Atlantic. shucks, so little time. Yeah, no, and and yeah, you gotta you gotta give um, FPC credit. After a couple losses in a row, they lose to Father Lopez. Father Lopez was undefeated at that time. I'm not sure if they still are, um, but then they 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 lose by five to New Smyrna Beach, and then to win two in a row after that to get back to 500. At four and four, we know they were seven and eighteen last year. You know the hiring of Coach Tally and what he brings to the table, and perhaps the team is starting to catch on to what he's teaching, which is basically uh, to play a complete game, to not just show up in the second quarter, show up in the fourth quarter. We've seen FPC with some late runs as well to make games close. He wants to see his team come out and and play a full game. And, uh, you know, with a, a 57 to 35 win over Crescent City, that would appear to be just about the most complete game they've played all year on paper, just looking at the, the scoreboard. So at four and four to be at 500 at this point of the season is definitely a, a huge improvement so far over last year. And you got to be pumped up for them because you weren't sure after losing two in a row, what direction the team was heading. They, they faced some stiff competition there, of course, but to get the two wins in a row and get back to 500 heading into next week, I think that's huge for FPC. And it shows the direction they're headed in. They're halfway to last year's win total, and there's still about 16, 17 games left in the season, including a big one that just seems to get bigger and bigger on the calendar, January 17th against Matanzas. And, you and I will get to be on the call for that one, and it's going to be exciting. you know. But they're definitely headed in the right direction. They are at Menendez High School tonight, so I'm going to try and get over there. I'm going to live down the road from Menendez. You know, the Falcons have a very talented sophomore in Kareem Preston. Kareem Preston's dad, one of the greatest basketball players to come out of St. John's County, and a lot of people tell me Kareem Jr. is better than his dad. And so if you have a chance to get up to – Pedro Menendez, the alma mater of Mrs. Licio. You should tonight at 6 because that is going to be a great game against them. Against, and you'll get to see a young team in Menendez and a, a team, an FPC team that's on the rise. Rich, football season's over, right? Well, uh, that's what they tell me. <laughs> is it ever really over? You and I, Friday night, last Friday night, I think was the first Friday either one of us had been home on a Friday night in about four months, you know, we'd been chasing football all over Flagler County, following the alma mater as well for beach one Oh five, five the last month. And so state championships conclude and you think, okay, well, 
we're not going to hear really anything about football again until spring. And then the FHSAA happened. Yeah. And then they have to be all dramatic about it. Uh, the FHSAA held an emergency meeting to consider a new proposal for 2024. And I think 70% of the people who may be on the outside looking in will read this and be extremely confused by some of the things that they're, uh, they're reading here. Uh, and yeah, just a quick thing from this article here. It says, after just two years of the Metro Suburban Rural Classification System for football, the FHSAA Board of Directors is holding an emergency meeting to consider a new proposal that I guess will eliminate this metro suburban uh, rural classification system for uh, for something that's already been in practice. Explain this, Mike. So about two years ago, to eliminate the influence mostly of the Miami schools, and the, the there is a new FHSAA board mostly appointed by the governor and the commissioner of education, so they get nine spots on the board and then four are elected, as opposed to before where all 12 board positions were elected. But... Before this board came in, the previous board was really, honestly, I think just very self-serving. Like there was a, an outsized influence from some of the smaller schools in the state kind of pulling the strings. And one of the things they did was create Metro versus Suburban. It used to be there was eight classes based on your enrollment, the largest schools in 8A, the smallest schools in 1A, and so on and so forth to fill them up in between. And what they came up with was Metro and Suburban. And, you know, the dirty open secret was let's get these Miami schools, let's get these Orlando and Tampa schools out of the way so we can win some championships. And that's, I guess that's my opinion, but I would say this. The Metro division was made up of, of the counties that house the cities of Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach, Tampa, St. Pete, Orlando, and for some reason, Seminole County, which you can figure that one out. Seminole County, there are counties with larger populations in Seminole County, Collier County, Polk County, but they're not as good at football as Seminole County. So Seminole County was thrown into the Metro division. And, you know, as so often does in Florida, football marched on and, you know, we had some very competitive championships but there were a lot of people who were against the metro suburban split i being one of them because in my opinion you know to be the best you got to play the best so you know if you're cutting out half the good teams in a certain class you know you're kind of diluting the the, the pool so to speak and i know that you know some local schools have gotten to take advantage of that with some deep playoff runs of their own like st augustine mainland the land bartram you know, not having to go against Jacksonville and Miami and Orlando schools. But at the same time, there was a there was a big uprising. And then when the new board came in, it seemed almost certain this was going to be the first thing they addressed. They addressed it rather abruptly, though. No input from the Florida Association of Coaches, of athletic coaches. No, no input from the Florida, the FHSA Athletic Advisory Committee. No, um input from the FHSAA football advisory council, no public input at the meeting. They just kind of went rogue and made this decision on their own. That seems a bit odd, Mike, you would think that, and especially when it's on such short notice, you would think if, if you have a big, big decision to make like this one, you would 
include everybody and maybe schedule it in a couple of weeks? Why did this have to happen in, a, in an emergency meeting? It doesn't necessarily seem like an emergency to me. Well, it wouldn't seem. Normally, you don't start redistricting. You know, you don't announce new districts until the spring. Teams start making their schedules in the spring. So it seemed like there was plenty of time. But, you know, this is now not a board that's appointed by the members of the FHS, member schools of the FHSAA. It's largely a political board that, you know, has nine appointees that come from political appointments. So, you know, the, 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 I think they feel a little more emboldened to act. Incidentally, all the proposals that passed passed on a nine to four vote. So make of that what you will. But honestly, as much as I, I am against the way it was handled, I don't have much of a problem with the result. I think that we needed to get back to statewide classes where, you know, I think there's still some things to wrinkle out because the landscape has changed a little bit. You know, when they first went to eight classes back in 2010, you know, there wasn't a lot of virtual schools and charter schools and homeschooling and things like that, that kind of mess with enrollments. And so, you know, there's probably got to be ways to do that better. But I thought this was the way to go. I know that one of the proposals that didn't pass was that they were going to eliminate districts were going to stay. Everybody was going to have a district, but you wouldn't have to play anybody in your district. The last two weeks of the year would be a district tournament. And I think, Rich, when we talked about this before, you kind of had a different opinion on this than I did. Yeah. You know, when, when I first went through this and I was reading it, that was what I found to be the most fascinating aspect of this. I thought, man, that really would add a lot of excitement to the end of the year to have rather than just winning the district because you had the best record, which, you know, um, is the way things usually go. But to have a district tournament at the end of the year and the top four teams in the district make the district tournament and, and do a little playoff uh, to determine the district champion. It almost reminded me, you know, if, if maybe it's misguided, but it felt like, oh, we'll have an SEC championship game or an ACC champion. You know, it, it felt more like college football, and I thought that would be pretty exciting. It did seem unrealistic that for districts that have more than four teams, those teams that don't make the district tournament, now, you know, there's a universal bye week after week eight where you can now, at the end of the season, schedule two more games. And if you can't, well, I guess you had an eight-game season. That seemed unrealistic to me. So I, I do realize that there were problems with that idea. But I don't know. The idea of a district tournament, to, to use those, those last couple games for a district tournament and have a district championship, I thought would, would be extremely fun. I, I thought that would ex uh, add a lot of excitement to the end of the season. So I was a little disappointment a little disappointed that uh, we weren't able to find a way to include that. And I get concerned about it because a lot of these districts are top heavy, you know, like you take, for example, you take, for example, mainland's district that had Deltona and Pine Ridge in it. And, you know, they're a victim and they're one of the schools that's a victim of bad geography because they have to fight that much harder to get, you know, to get in the postseason rankings because they are in a little bit of a diluted district and not by any, but not for any other reason than they're located where they are. But, you know, you'd end up with a lot of mismatched games. You know, St. Augustine Clay would have been a first round district matchup last year. But, you know, you would have some, you would have some exciting matchups for sure. Like, I'm sure everybody would have loved to have seen the land and university play each other again at the end of the year. Would have loved to have seen Ponte Vedra and East square off at the end of the year. 
as would have happened in FPC's district. So there were some things. I don't think that the proposal's dead in the water. I think, now granted, there's no public comment and there was no real statement from the FHSAA, so we're all making assumptions here. But my guess is is that they it's an idea that they like, but there's probably some more fine-tuning to do, especially in the middle of of an off-season where you're going to tell teams, okay, well, now change your schedules. You have 10 games scheduled. Figure out which two you're going to pull out, you know, and have teams – because a lot of teams, when they do schedules, they do two-year agreements. They do home and home. So, you know, a lot of those agreements would have to be broken up. And I think it would have thrown too much in this, yeah. into too much in the disarray. But I think that ultimately, I think we'll end up getting there. And believe me, the FHSAA has never been shy about <laughs> messing with football. Is This is about the fourth or fifth change we've seen in the last decade of the playoff format and the districting format and the classification of schools. So I don't think it's over. I think it's... While it hasn't been publicly said, I think this is just something they're tabling for now, and I would guess the next time they look at the um, classification cycle in two years, this is something that will be right back on the table. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Of course, we're pumped up for football all year round, as you're saying. It doesn't matter what format it takes as long as they're on the gridiron playing football. We're excited about it here in Football County, as Mike Licio says, and the basketball going on right now Wednesday, the Atlantic Sharks the FPC Bulldogs on the WNZF Sports Network. We'll see you there. Don't miss it. That's another episode of the Rich and Mike Sports Show. Have a great weekend, Flagwood County.